Welcome to the Drinking with Friends podcast, starring Dan, Ben, and Mark. Today's episode is episode three, entitled Ben is a Cheap Trick with a Microtone. Ben wants to do football day. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. As of now, I have a a beautiful swivel rocker leather recliner that's mine, and then a saucer chair for whoever might come over for movie night. But I have to remedy that and get a nice big couch so that we can have maybe five or six. Huh? Pull out bed. Well, ben, there's bed. just guys hanging out, dude. Oh, okay. No, so that's not a bad idea because in case I have guests over, I have a three bedroom place, and unfortunately now one They're of all the bedrooms covered with drums. Yeah, one of them is is my studio covered in drums, where I do my drum cover videos, my instructional videos. Oh, by the way, I enjoyed the Green Day cover the other day. You liked it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Also, okay. the uh, Christmas one that you did before that. Right, right, right. And what was the other song you did just recently? I just did She's a Rainbow, mm-hmm. a tribute to Charlie Watts. Really? You did? Yeah. I thought you hated the Stones, dude. No, you know what? It's like one of those things where I don't seek them out. Mm-hmm. But you got to, I mean, just like that song, like you said. Yeah, like you one said, of my favorite songs. One, yeah. one really? Of my, Why is that? Of, it's unique. It's different from everything they've done before. Yeah. I The piano parts. Like, the it's piano, just beautiful. The arrangement. I just don't like. The intro, it's like a two minutes or a minute and a half of just in and talking and gibberish and stuff right. like that. But then that song comes in. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, holy crap. Just the dissonance, uh, the odd chord progression, if you That's will. That's cool. Love it. But you know what? You just touched on something. And we're going to go back again because this is the subject that we all hold dear to our heart. It's music and arranging and sure. playing and having that talent. You know, we we grew up in a different time where you had to actually play the instrument that you were playing, you know? Right. And the recording wasn't easy. A lot of the overdubs were people singing and uh, harmonizing naturally with no electronic uh, aids to help them get that. Right. In other words, the lead singer would do multiple tracks Mm -hmm. singing in harmony with himself. That shit's tough nowadays. And I hate to sound like the old fart, but it's so much different, you know. And they would bring backup singers on the road with them to yeah. recreate those backing exactly. Vocals. And now that's the whole thing. You recreate everything you did on the album. Right. Um, my kids, thank God, I brought them to a show that was near and dear to me because I wanted to see a band that sounded exactly, if not better, live than on the record slash CD tape, whatever it was at the time. And this was during the heyday of the girl, the boy band shit and, you know, the lip syncing little pop star person. So, and again, a band is near and dear to me. And you guys know this is Rush. And the reason why I wanted that to be the first concert I took them to is because I wanted to set a standard. Now, we're going back to how we as three guys playing together had a standard that we worked really hard to make ourselves sound good. Right. And why, why was that? Because of what we listened to. Those bands that influenced us, these guys sounded just like the album. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they did whatever they did. The guys playing bass, doing keyboards, and singing at the same time. Dude, I can't tie my shoes and chew gum at the same <laughs> time, you know? You know, and, and just the precision and right. just the consistently. 
and they cared how yeah. good that it sounded. They worked hard exactly. to be exactly precise in everything so now they did. You're influenced by that and that work ethic and that standard. So now you apply it to everything you do going forward. I don't see that in bands now. I don't see that. Well, there's a lot of talented people, don't get me wrong. It's different. There's a lot of help that comes from uh, sequencers and programming things and you know, you can edit things, but all it comes down to is, like Ben was saying with the song, the Stone Song, the, the composition of the music, the composition of the song, introducing different instruments. There's different sounds. There's strings. There's arrangements. There's mm -hmm. more than just a chord, or there's more than just a drum track and a, a really simple bass line and somebody singing or rapping over it. Or whistling yeah. or, you know, whatever. Or how about this? Manipulating a word to make it fit the song. Right. It's not the word. You just bastardize the word to fit the rhyme, you know? Well, the thing was, okay, so Charlie Watts passed away. Mm -hmm. I had not listened to the Stones in a while. I'm a metal guy primarily, and I listen to newer music. Dude, you, you like to, Air Supply. Stop that shit. I try to listen to newer stuff. Um... And, and I'm always searching for, like, new bands that are coming up. Mm -hmm. But every time I go to a concert or something of an older band or even, like, I went to a Bowie, like, um, I guess they were a tribute band. And a friend of mine had tickets, and I went to go see it. And I just remembered, and they weren't even that good, but it just reminds you how fucking awesome Bowie was, yeah. you know? Yep. And you listen to these songs, and you're like, oh, my God. I went to see Cheap Trick. One of the first, one of the first uh, articles I ever wrote, a concert review. Well, Mark, just let people know that you were doing freelance writing. Explain a little bit about that before yeah. you get into. I was doing free freelance writing for. An and this isn't rock the Mark magazine. interview, just to make people no, aware of what's going on. But I was doing freelance writing for for an online magazine, a music magazine, and uh, it all came about because one day I had posted a video from a concert I'd gone to. Uh, locally, and it was a Mastodon show, and it was on um, Halloween. And uh, was that the show we went to? Gojira, Gojira, sure. yes, yeah, yes, that yes, was the yes, show yes. we went. To. That was a really good show. That was a great show. And they came out with the froze the whole thing. Yes, yeah, yes, that yes. was a great show. That was so, at the Paramount. Yes, yeah, so it was at the Paramount. So I posted a video and I wrote a little something about the show, and I got a message from somebody saying, "Hey, you were at that show. I didn't have a writer to send to that show. Would you mind writing?" Uh, a review of the show. And I said, sure. And that led to me writing for this online magazine for about three or four years. Um, and I really had a great time because I'm, I'm a creative person. I like to write. So I started doing these articles. And um, so the, the, the show was awesome. I went back the next year. But the first, the first show that I actually went to see because of this article was Cheap Trick in Bayshore. Um, Where? At the uh, Bolton Center. Oh, all right. That's right on Montauk Highway. No, 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 no. I'm Is sorry. That... It was not Cheap Trick. It was, it was Robin Zander. Ah. Robin Zander Band. And they were friggin' phenomenal. Robin Zander sounds amazing still. Such a great vocalist. He's a great <laughs> vocalist. Unbelievable. And when they did, he did some of his original stuff. He did some Cheap Trick stuff. And that prompted me to go see Cheap Trick when they came around very soon after that. Dude, you know what's sad? They played the uh, outlets in Deer Park. <laughs> Did they really? Yes. Yes. 
At the Tanger. The yeah, oh Tanger. Anywhere and everywhere. It was yeah. funny when they were inducted into the Hall of Fame. It was just like... Ben, they played your garage yeah. before that. When they were playing, um, inducted into the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was Kid Rock that introduced And it was just like, and we got to get this done really fast because <laughs> they got to go and play a show tomorrow night. It's just like they're playing everywhere. They'll play anywhere. And they, and but they were phenomenal. So great. It was so good when I saw them. So many times. I saw them at the Paramount with Peter Frampton. And that was a phenomenal show. But it just, it just goes to show when you go to see a band that you haven't listened to in a while, you're struck by how many freaking hits they yes. had. Cheap Trick had so many hit songs, so many huge songs. Yep. And you don't really think of Cheap Trick. Mm-hmm. I don't no. think of you tri- know. Cheap Trick in those terms. But then you I listen to the stuff that comes out. Yeah. Live Budokan. That's what I think of with Cheap Trick. My, one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, the way, what they captured in that live performance, and it was so good, and the music was so great. So again, it's like one of those things. So when, it, when Charlie Watts died, I'll get back to the original point. I went back, and I started listening to some Stones, and I said, I want to pick a song that I want to play drums to, do a video, and do my little tribute. And she's like, a rainbow came up. And I said, that's it. Like, as soon as I heard the beginning of it, I'm like, okay, that's the one. And uh, it's just such a great song. And and it sucks because sometimes, you know, like this is stuff that I should be listening to more because it's such great music. But I only have so much time in a day, Mm -hmm. obviously. Dude, I've been on your ass for years to expand your musical palette to listen to all kinds of stuff. And you were very like, no, it's metal. Exactly. He's giving me this look like well, because, a few biatch. Because you only wanted me to listen to Rush all the time. No, dude. You listen to Rush <laughs> because but they're, but they they're, were awesome. But there are bands like Bowie, uh, yeah. you know, Cheap Trick, and, you know, Small Faces. Um, like, really, really great old rock and roll stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was just really moved to to create a video um, and play along, and uh, and you know put out a little tribute to Charlie Watts because I think he's one of the greatest drummers of all times. But was, you know what was a huge influence on me when we were up. talking about the uh, Kiss stuff before, and oh yeah, I wanted to play drums because of Kiss. He said that he learned by watching people. He didn't get lessons. He wasn't taught. Right. He watched. Right. So he learned by watching. Yeah. How freaking awesome is that? Yeah. You know, learning an instrument, and I don't care what instrument it is, but learning by watching, right. how do you how does the brain translate mm-hmm. the physical movement to keeping time, different time changes? But then he was saying that he was exposed to a lot of music when he was younger, a lot of like jazz players. Right. And personally, I'm not educated enough to appreciate jazz i do appreciate the musicians who play and that goes to all kinds of music they're great musicians but is it what i like no not necessarily but you do appreciate the talent so when you hear people playing music that's outside of your i guess comfort zone things you listen to you have to respect their talent their musicianship because basically, as a player, you you know you're in awe of these people that have this talent that could play. It's like a guy who's doing like simultaneous different time signatures using one hand to do something on a ride cymbal, then hitting the snare, and then something on a kick, and it's all syncopated. But if you break it down, it's like Jesus. Uh, so I'm just saying, for me, 
that whole ninety-nine percent of the people out there don't know that he's playing in different times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you know what, Ben? And That's the beauty of it. When you don't know that somebody's playing in these odd time signatures, and so it just sounds like four four, because it's the, the talent that makes it. So it, that it sounds is it the seamless. That because once you've solved that problem and, and you figure out, oh my gosh, they were playing in, you know, 18 nine time. Oh, wow. Oh, geez. Oh, all these weird different time signatures. Mm. And what I enjoy best is bands, and I'll go back to like something like Genesis or even Rush mm -hmm. that would play. And in some instances, you don't know that they're playing. But that in was these my point. You don't signatures. know it because they're so good. Because it's just a it's seamless. Slow. Exactly. But like with Rush, there was some point where the drummer's in 4 4 and the band's in 3 4. And then they finally sync up. But when it comes down to like what you were saying, to appreciate these people, but if you're going to appreciate them because they are doing all this complex stuff, but if it sounds like crap. Well, no, that wasn't what I was saying. I was saying if it's seamless and for the casual listener, it sounds normal. I have a hard yeah. time with jazz because mm -hmm. I think most of it doesn't sound good enough to my ears to say, oh, you know, I really should sit back and appreciate the fact that these Playing notes that you a definitely person you're, can, that's can't ben, do. you got you need, that's but, fine you know, exactly it's I just, know, but. Uh, it's just not my cup of tea and i think it's mm -hmm. horrible and i spent a lot of time trying to accept jazz well ben tell the people you can't. went to school for music so that was Why part of your I training to tell them that it makes no difference to them no but just understand that where you're coming from well it's like this i'm trying to give people a background on you so your expertise you were going to be a music teacher so it's not Correct. like you're a dumbass that doesn't know what they're talking about. You actually know what you're, you're talking about. You're a dumbass that does know what you're talking about. Exactly. And, oh, by the way. To end it all is. Don't end it all. Ben. <laughs> you have so much to live <laughs> for. Life is worth it. Your wife wants don't you to end, end it all, all, but we don't. <laughs> Once we got into the 20th century music. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everybody goes, <laughs> ay, ay, ay. And I was like, that's where I found my home. In the 20th century. The dissonance, you're, the unbelievable. You know, so you're not a fan notes. of Mozart then? I like Mozart. Mozart did, there some, it is. did some, uh, some really cool things. You know, the big names, they did a couple of really cool things that are just like, wow, holy crap, that's it's pretty genius, you mm -hmm. know? Um, to give you an example, Mozart's, I think it was the 40th Symphony in G. Here we have a melody that's being introduced. And a lot of people will say it's a the melody starts off with the hitting the low G, so and the other instrument. So he is taking the melody and stretching it across different instruments. So it's not one instrument that's doing the melody. Right. Pure genius. Wait, the symphony was called Alice yeah, Bowie. But, see, right? the thing was, the but, thing that held those people back was that they had a fucking harpsichord to play on. That's the only <laughs> instrument they had to make music on. <laughs> True. Because this day, they still have those same instruments. harpsichord. <laughs> same instrument. instrument today. But what I really liked about 21st century music. Yes. Eight but that's music, jazz. 12 tone that's music. That's all kinds of stuff. Is Blues. The, using specific patterns, reducing the usage of repeated notes. I don't understand that part. Repeated notes in so what way? Passing tones? You would or? only use 
the 12 notes. So in some of the really strict formats of 12-tone music, you would use the 12 notes in, in a scale. So you have a was scale. Was it necessary to and do it that way? Yes. Uh, Why did they pure. restrict themselves? Oh, to be pure, they to be pure. Ah. And that's to 12 almost, notes. No, no, no. Don't restrict yourself. It's a German period. Because well, usually like a scale has seven notes or I eight wish notes you would, if you want I to I wish you would octaves. restrict yourself to 12 words. <laughs> Oh right, my I'm God! Stopping. I almost drowned in my wine. Right. Right. Ben, you you're making really clueless. good points. No, and, no dude, I'm listening no to you. What real music is. Mark's a douche. Right. He's a closed-minded okay, fucking man. You just don't want to be open-minded to this. I'm open-minded. Power of fill of, our brains with your knowledge, your Ben. But that see, that's a beautiful thing. And you're a music teacher. You've studied yes. music. Yes. And you it's a beautiful fools thing. Are only used to the. I wish I had like a Hitler tape like, oh, no, that are inside a scale. Okay. You fools, thank you. Yes. I don't even get into microtonal music because that's a very difficult for a normal person to hear. <laughs> where they but an start, abnormal person can hear Instead it. of using, because in a Explain, what is scale, the microtone? Is you got microtones in between the actual notes. So let's just take is your guitar. Is it like between let's sharps just take and your flats guitar. and yes, stuff like that? in between there. Okay. So it's almost like Taking your guitar, smaller intervals, and every single fret that you have is let's just call it an interval mm -hmm. or a note. Yeah. In between those frets, if you were to take that and make those frets and add a fret in between them, so instead of so having, divide the divide the half. frets in half, you would have now microtonal. You would have different notes inside. But wouldn't and that be some, more translatable to like a piano? No, because then you have to add more keys onto it. Oh, so keys so in between the keys. Keys Got in between it. the keys. Right. So a couple of professors that I went to college with were... This is all very interesting. Because you're a drummer. But it was for those... <laughs> I hit with things. That, you I know, picked things up. Like, <laughs> I put them down. <laughs> it's almost like someone who you're giving food has a sophisticated palate and they can yes. taste all the different, you know... Mm. Uh, stuff that's inside, if you will. Cilantro. And microtone music is really, you got to almost have to have perfect pitch so you can hear the differences. Really? And all that's a, yeah, it's, so it's a very really fine de Demanding tuned. on the listener. Mm. Now, is there it's any like example? Going, it's like going to the fucking hardware store to pick out paint for your new den. Yeah. And they have every shade of blue, of blue or gray <laughs> right. or some kind of slate. So that's and your it's like this tiny, tiniest you... little difference between colors. Okay. And you're supposed to pick out the, your favorite one. My question to Ben is, all right, if you're going to subdivide a fret, for mm -hmm. example, how do you get that, that note? Synthetic. How do you get that note if it's not really attainable on the instrument itself? For example, you have the sharps, flats, and whatever, but... You now buy you're a sitar. Splitting. That's yeah. why sitars yeah. have such Did small frets. Did you know threats. in India they have sitar hero? Well, we're we're <laughs> we're, st we're stuck in the guitar world, the bass world, where we have yes. all these frets. Think about Don't an orchestra. Fret. Mm -hmm. There's no frets there. But so what I'm saying is the actual instrument itself. It right. That's see. That's a great example. Like a violin, a cello, something like a double bass. Ah, no they're no frets. frets. Very they're good. Fretless. So that's where it really comes in, and this has got to play. Dude, you've just you know, enlightened us and the audience. Thank that's you. amazing. I feel... Professors at, at Queens College, where I went to uh, the Aaron Colby Oh, he's School calling you now. Hey, that's, that's the it, fucking... Right that's the red phone. Oh. He, <laughs> it's the bad phone. <laughs> he Batman had perfect calling. pitch. 
Então, Batman doesn't call the red phone. Yes, he does. He answers the red phone. No, he answers the bat phone, fool. So, so Ben's teacher has perfect, perfect pitch. pitch. And it was sometimes difficult for him to listen to or sing because we weren't... Oh, so you guys audience. were annoying. Yeah, so oh, I, I knew a couple of guys at Queens College that had perfect pitch. And mm -hmm. sometimes when we were singing, they would just turn to us. They would just make this face. It's like, oh, you just off by like a semitone. Dude, I, like, I can relate because when yeah. Mark, you and I would play, Mark and I would have perfect syncopation and rhythm and you'd be off. Like you'd be counting. Meanwhile, we're playing my that field. I'm giving Mark and Dan the finger. <laughs> I Mark can identify with those people that have frustration. You figured the I bass player is going to be on. I can identify with those people that have perfect pitch because every mm -hmm. time you used to sing, I'd make that same face. Yeah. Yeah, and the lyrics would be off too. Mm -hmm. That's Presidents of the United States of America reference mm -hmm. by yes. Pieces. Mm -hmm. I actually, I actually have a drum cover in the pipe. What I'm going to do. Uh, Marcy mm -hmm. drums on on mm -hmm. no Mar Marcy <laughs> on, drums on YouTube on MySpace mm -hmm. and on Facebook <laughs> mm -hmm. and on, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm going to mm -hmm. do in honor of Metallica's 30th anniversary of the mm -hmm. Black album. I'm going to be releasing a series of drum covers mm -hmm. from that album. Played better than Lars played them himself. I was going to hit Lars. Possible. I'm going to make them my <laughs> own. Impossible. <laughs> And it's going to be really fun. So I got a new studio in my place. One, one of my three bedrooms is my master bedroom. The other bedroom is my studio where I have my drums. Oh, good God, Mark. Give it a rest. Shit. And the third bedroom is my is my office where I do voiceover work. I just can't wait till Ben puts out content. So I also do my podcasting out of my office. So... It's a, a pull-out couch folks. to go way back. A pull-out couch in the den in the in the movie theater room would be awesome. In case I did have a guest, I could just pull out a couch and have that doesn't family from hour. out of town <laughs> coming in. I can have a place for them to stay. That's well, there's a really lots of people coming from Afghanistan who love to sleep on your couch. Mm -hmm. Well, as long as they're vaccinated, they can come and stay with me. Child bride? <laughs> what? Anyway, so Ben had a really good point. And yeah. yes, and I, I want to add on to Ben's you know point what? too. I really like the way he was explaining that because us uninformed people mm -hmm. got some knowledge. Oh, yeah, microtonal. That's awesome. Um, I just can't remember that professor. But like when no one cares. Sean. So when we mentioned him a lot about music with suspensions. Remember when when have, Ben was going to school? You have Ben's perspective, mm -hmm. which is an educated. Uh, an educated music teacher's perspective. And then you have the practical musician. And then you have maybe the regular music fan um, mm -hmm. who really is moved Clueless. by the music and feels and knows what they like because of how it makes them feel. And that's all it is to them. You know, it's not about they understand what you're doing as a musician on the record or on stage live. It's about how the music makes them feel. And that's what drives them to like this band or that band like we were talking about before. But don't I you think take offense to when people go, oh, I love that beat, but they don't really mean the beat. They mean the song. Right. But they only think of it in terms of, oh, I love the beat, man. They don't know. It's like when I always said, when, when we used to do covers, one of the things um, when we played together in school was that I know all of us tried to hit every single nuance of that song. Mm -hmm. I tried to hit every drum fill exactly as it was mm -hmm. on the record. You, every guitar lick, you, every bass line. Because the people that are listening may not know why, but they'll know that they like it because it's, it's just like they remember it. 
if you leave out those things, they'll listen to it. They won't know why, but they'll think, eh, it's not as good because they're missing those little things they're used to hearing mm -hmm. and listening for. They don't really know what it is, but if you hit all of those little things as a band, you're going to be a better cover band because the people are coming in and listening and they're hearing all the things that they're used to hearing on the record. Like, oh, shit, that song. sounds just like it. Oh, my God, that guitar solo was right. super important. Yeah. That bass line was so awesome. You know, it brings to mind, oh, I forget what song it is. It's a Beatles tune. And at the end, I think it's the end when they just hit that piano chord. Or was that the day in the and life? A day in the life. Thank you. And then allegedly, you know, the rings out you forever. You can't hear it, but right now the dogs should be barking because the note is so high, it's out of our audible range. The dogs will hear it. So what does it mean to us to have something like that? You know, what's the use of that? Is it your creativity has gone so extreme that it's just like, what the hell, let's just do something like that? Or is it that you're just so bored with everything that you're doing that it's just like, let's just do something for the dogs. Or maybe and you're... Just, you know, when the dogs hear but this, dude, and all of a sudden they'll come in and say, what the hell's going on with this record? I but think then, it's one of those they musician were, things. They were also experimenting a lot of drugs, and they were mm -hmm. into that, and they're like, wow, how can we go further but, with this? But I think musicians love to say shit like that. What? You know, like, oh, this is... We did this, and we put this in there, and maybe yeah. nobody would ever hear mm -hmm. it or understand it. But like as a musician, you're like, yeah, we did that. I think it's more of that. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of musicians do shit just to be able to say they did, did it. Shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> maybe. And maybe it's like, oh yeah, well, we included this and we played this and this that's actually backwards, you know. Yeah, but like, listen, you know, that listen kind of crazy to what stuff. you just said. Ninety nine percent of people who are in bands have some degree of narcissism. So I'm the first guy that did this. I'm the first guy that said yeah. fax machine in Absolutely. a song. I'm the first, you know, exactly. So that could be it too. Yeah, but then I when you have a too. studio and you can do whatever you want, that opens the door to anything. You like Devin Townsend, right? Yeah. If you look at some of the behind the scenes making of his latest album, Empath, mm -hmm. the album's phenomenal. I did a review on it. And it's an amazing album, and it's got so many different layers to it, so many different styles within it. Um, and it, and it's really cool. I mean, at one point, it sounds like a Disney soundtrack, <laughs> and then another point, it's like death metal. It's phenomenal. But if you look at the, 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 the videos, the behind-the-scenes stuff, which is what I love, you see what the guy went through to put this together, to put his vision together. And all of the choral stuff that he had, he had a whole chorus or a whole orchestra in his place, in his studio, putting those parts down uh, for the album. And it was pretty freaking phenomenal. But again, it's like you said, when you have everything at your disposal or you have all these ideas, you're just trying to make them. You're just trying to realize them and make them That's reality. true. But a lot of artists like to be very basic, too. The yeah. flip side, I want it to be so organic and so streamlined and simple because that's what I want to project, exactly what I thought. When I was playing that song on acoustic guitar, I'm like, wow, the song stands up on itself just the way it is. It doesn't need more. Right. You know? And then, right. And then also, I remember way, way back in the day, we were talking about Living Color, the first album. And you were saying, well, I like it, but it's too much different stuff. Right. And now look at what you're saying diverse. about... Devin Townsend, how yeah, mm -hmm. it's diverse, but your musical appreciation has changed. 
Now you're going to cancel me for something I said. No, not at all. I'm just saying how you've developed, you've developed and changed your, I guess, perception of music. That's all. Well, it's like we were talking about the, the, she's like a rainbow song. Mm-hmm. When I, as soon as I heard that song, um, when I was trying to pick a song that I wanted to play, I knew that was the one. And as I'm playing, as I'm listening to it, I'm feeling all kinds of shit. Like, I'm feeling all kinds of like stuff. What? Like, how great this song is. I would never have thought that. And nostalgia, and just yeah. like, because when I was a kid, I grew up listening to that stuff. My brothers and sisters turned me on to all different kinds of music. Well, our older siblings always right. shaped us because a lot right. of the stuff they played, I mean, we liked. Bowie was huge in my house, mm-hmm. and the Stones, and Bruce Springsteen. and Really? Bruce yeah. Springsteen? Yeah. I, I got to tell you, that's one that's really hard for me to appreciate. I don't, oh, no, I, it was Buffalo Springfield. Oh, anyway. Neil Young. Um, <laughs> Bruce Buffalo Springfield, uh, same thing. But, I mean, this <laughs> this is how you're you're shaped in, in, yep. as a musician. And the, the, thing, the one thing that I will say, because we talked about technology and music, is that the one great thing that I see about technology and music today is that a lot of my young students come in with knowledge of older music because of the internet and because of their parents, but they get a lot of songs shared from their friends that are old-ass songs. And the kids today are appreciating these older mm-hmm. songs because they hear them on the internet, they share them with their friends, and I have kids coming in that are young that know these songs that I grew up listening to. And that's a direct direct um you know uh consequence of having the internet and having all this music available mm-hmm. yeah my daughter started singing a beach boys tune really god beach only boys. knows that's the song wow you know i was like oh, really no. and again that's another and band who they say you know uh what's his face uh, no brian wilson uh, brian, brian wilson brian wilson is a musical genius yeah Animal, what's that album? Animal Sounds? Pet, uh, pet, pet sounds. sounds, yeah. Animal Sounds, <laughs> it's Ben and Ben. Uh, well, pets, <laughs> animals or pets? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, genius album. I've really never taken the time to listen to it. Me either. It's not my cup of tea. But you know what? I'm not going to say it's not because I didn't listen to it. So that's an opinion. Mm-hmm. And you're entitled to not listen to it or not yeah. like it or not be interested not in it. not what I'm into. But doesn't negate if there is that genius in it or that talent or the whatever. But Ben, you were saying how Dana was drawn to it for whatever reason, and I was just like, "Oh my God, here's you're singing, you're singing a Beach Boys tune," and believe it or not, <clears throat> a day later, um, taking my lunch at work. I work from home, and I do my exercise during my lunch, and I decided to hear it. Go right to my computer as soon as I was done exercising because I saw a message. Pop what up. exercise were you doing? I was on my treadmill. Uh, what kind I of thought you were doing your cankle so I'm climbing uphill. Is it a Peloton? No, it's not Peloton. Dude, I, I have a Peloton. Day guy, guys. That's right. You have a Peloton there? Yes, I have dude. What fucking good are you doing in your life? Holy shit. No, it's least <laughs> I'm not allowed to even go near it. Are you kidding me? So, yeah, because dude, you're, you're not you pedaling. Look at you're that. just watching the instructors. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. You got to like pedal a little bit to make it look like. something cute today. You guys, I have to admit, so, Ben, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have so to just interject I'm, because he brought up a subject that's very universal well, to all our listeners. Let finish. All our listeners would be very thrilled with the instructors on Peloton. Okay. It's a challenge of how they're they put not their one of our sponsors. On. So, shh. okay, they will so, be. I sit 
at my desk. I, I exercise. I'm done. I'm sweating. I Don't go sit cares. there because I want to respond to a text message I got from a coworker. So I respond to the text message from outer space. And then as soon as I respond, bing, what? I get an email. Hello? And on there says, You've we just want to let you know that Clever Devices has two, four free tickets, two sets of two for the Do you know the seat numbers? First come, first win. Bing. Immediately respond. I said, oh, I'm very interested. I'll go. Seconds. So I send it. Maybe 10 minutes later, I won. I get the tickets. And the so guy's I like, then you're a concert whore. Go back to concert like, whore the songs island. you love, they're all They're like, there. congratulations. You're the only one who responded. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even want to give away the tickets. So I was able to take her to go see the Beach Boys. And now, amazing. Were, well, man. how many guys were the two? Two, okay. Mike Love and, and oh, I can't was, the other guy's name. What's his face from uh, Full House? No, in the band? he wasn't on the drums. I was hoping he was going to be on the drums to surprise her. Is he in jail or something? No, but he made a joke. Uh, Mike Love was just like, yeah, you know. Who, Dave Coulier? No, the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Alana's more set. So he's just like. <clears throat> John Stamos says, yeah, you know, I was born in 1963. And Mike Love told him, you know what? That's when we Surfer Girl or whatever, like one songs. song went to number one in 1963. And I remember the year before that, he used to hang out with your mom a lot. Oh. And he would always stop. John Stamos would just walk away and go back to the drum kit. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike Love would just say, I just want to let you know. I never met his mother, another <laughs> institute, but we just love busting his chops. Whenever he comes up and says something, he says, remember, we used to date your mom. And he just would just go <laughs> back to Mark the drum says set. To you. <laughs> it was so funny. He, those got two guys and- I'm uh, still dating Ben's mom. <laughs> and their nephews are in the band. Benji, I'm your and father. And just amazing, man. It was it's something about seeing a band- that has been together for so long. Yeah, but dude, half so the guys aren't even well, original well, members. It doesn't matter. They're just a well. But look at Alice Cooper. I was just about to say, I know Alice that. Cooper. Holy crap. He's fucking awesome. That band he's got. They, yeah. Those guys are just and girl, on, man. Nita Strauss, thank you. All, it's just, and that's and that's what we were talking about earlier, that you feel the energy of a band. Mm -hmm. And if a band really, really works their craft as a band, they go up on stage and they're untouchable. They're bulletproof. But you know what? They don't they're make any mistakes together as a band. Not yeah, like one band. guy Even kicking they make ass. Mistakes. And, they, they're it doesn't at matter. They're a professional level where they could cover it. Yeah. There's a magic about musicians yes. on a stage or in the studio playing together at the same time. But you There's nailed it. Magic. It's playing together on the same page. It's not like people just sharing space in a room. Like you guys are busting my balls about. The video of my band playing. Mm -hmm. Oh, you guys play like you don't even know each other or want to. You know, dude. Okay, I get it. That was my comment. This is that ben. was Ben's. But then, you know, point taken. But it was our first gig. And no yeah. excuses, but I know what you're saying. And being older now, what do you do? You you get up on stage, jump around like a 20-year-old? No, you can't. You can't shake your head and have your hair flying all over because you're fucking bald. What do you... <laughs> What you There's do? also something to be said for individuals having years and years and years of musical experience that when they come together, mm -hmm. if they all have done their parts separately and know the music, 
they can sound great on stage. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's a pleasure to work with people who maybe you don't rehearse a lot, but you get together, you and each you have done your songs. homework, and yeah. you can nail the songs. But how about when you're watching this band and there are a bunch of people just standing there? Then what do you think? They right. could be playing every note perfectly, but, right. you know, what do you, you get as you an audience? You think they've been doing this for too long, maybe? Or they've and been they doing it for a like while? Like Queensrÿche, when we saw them the last time. Right. And you were saying that uh, the drummer, Scott, wasn't playing the parts. He was being lazy. Scott Rockefeller was being very lazy. Sorry, band. Scott, but that's what I heard. Yeah, that's but what I, I mean. And it goes back to the thing I talked about, about doing covers. Dude, you talked about a lot of shit. And <laughs> nailing every single part of every yeah. single song. When I went to see that Queensryche show with you guys, I was listening for certain fills. And you were disappointed. Being a drummer, and I was disappointed when he would cut corners and not yep. do certain things. And, it, and it's sad because he's a really good drummer. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, sure. You know, when, Why when they you went want to, to play do Empire, I remember reading some articles that just like, that dude did a lot of those songs in one take. Hmm. One take is like, yeah, that's, damn. That ain't easy he said to do. They were just so focused. So on. I think because they were writing the songs on the road because they were really touring heavily for uh, Operation Mindcrime. Mm -hmm. So when they came into the studio, unlike Operation Mindcrime, what Jeff Tate was really vocal about, they would go in and they were recording this song at this time, whether you like it or not. And he was just like, shit, I don't want to record that song. I don't feel like singing that song. I'm not in that mood. I want to sing the other song. And they're like, no, we're doing this song. Get in the mood. Whatever you got to do, <laughs> let's get that song. So he said when Empire came out right after, you know, the next album after uh, Mind Crime. Uh, Operation Mindcrime, it was just like that freedom of, I don't feel like doing this song. What do you want to do? Let's do this song. Let's do that song. Mm -hmm. And you could sense it in the album. It's a, it's a little bit more uplifting, if you will. Is it like a looser? Very or? much looser. And yeah. it's, there I say, the proof is in the pudding. They got some... You know, big hits off of it, mm -hmm. almost a top ten single with silent lucidity. Yeah, but then also, now, do you remember seeing them at Jones Beach? And they horrible. did the. You thought it was horrible. It was sad because they couldn't sell the top. Part. But how long ago was? Where are we talking? I'm that talking about Promised Land. No, no, no. I'm oh. talking about the Mind Crime tour. Oh, that was phenomenal. I saw them open with up Dead at Jones Beach. I didn't see. Dude, didn't you see them with Dead Leopard? I saw him with Def Leppard and I saw him with Metallica. Because at Jones Beach, that tour, they played the entire album and it sounded exactly like the record. Fast but then, forward, you know, Chris DeGarmo left yes. and that so, changed a lot. Yeah, fast forward many years where Operation Mindcrime 2 comes out. And they play Operation Mindcrime 1 and Operation Mindcrime Moperation. 2. Operation. 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 Clean the and hole. And they're playing at what is, I think, now the Hulu Theater. It used to be the PlayStation Theater. I have to get tests like before I go in for my Moperation. <laughs> Moperation. The says it should be good, but I'm Isn't still that? a little nervous about my Moperation. <laughs> Isn't Look. that a game, Moperation? Right. <laughs> I love that game, Moperation. <laughs> oh, shit. I pulled out the freaking right. mop. All right, all right, all right. I used so, to love to go for the wishbone. It's on 44th Street and, and 7th Avenue. Thanks for the location. So in New York City. Thanks. On planet Earth. I go to see them, and it's the new Just band. you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it was, no, I think my ex-wife. Don't care. Let's go okay. with the story. <laughs> so they play 
Operation Mindcrime 1, they take a break. Operation Mindcrime 2. Operation Mindcrime 1, oh, that was tough. Yeah. Oh, it just didn't sound right. Yeah. The two guitar players just didn't gel. It just wasn't working. So I was contemplating, you know, I'm going to stay for a little bit. I'm probably going to leave after, like, the first song. Mm. Operation Mind Time. Mind Two. Mind Time. <laughs> mind Time. You are mind time. time. Do not take Mind Time. Operation Mind Crime 2 comes, <laughs> and they come out. Operation Mind Time. It is a completely different band. And I was blown away because this is the band that wrote Operation Mind Crime 2. Right. And they were gelling. It was just like, holy crap. Like a Magellan. totally different show. Totally yeah, but don't you think show. that because they wrote that album yes. that they would gel better than so, doing a cover of? I feel like you always you always put more into your own creation than somebody else's written music that you're you know you're filling yeah, in and you're you got to learn these other person's dude, parts. Dude, you, you hit and you're probably sitting there going, I wouldn't have wrote wrote it this yeah. way. Yeah, I wouldn't have you, it this you way. know what? You bring up a great point. When you're doing covers, you're doing somebody else's song. And what are you, a chameleon? You're trying to do exactly what they did. Meanwhile, right. you don't have the technical talent that that particular artist has. You don't have the sound. So you try your best to kind of get to where you want to be. But then also, you're like, dude, I would play it this way. Or I got my own sound. And you interject you're, that. You also don't have the investment yes. that the original artist has in the music when they're, when they're writing something mm. from the heart. Yep. There's an investment there. Yeah, right. But that lacks in a cover because it's not your song. I once had a Out producer points. tell me, right? So we're going over some parts. And now this is your original it's, song. This is my original song. Mark. We're going some we're going this we're going the over Mark some Chronicles, song. folks. I show up at 25. the session and they've already done some editing to one of the songs. And the the, the fucking producer, I'll say <laughs> the engineer. The engineer says, Oh, hey. listen, we made some changes to the drums. Just take a listen. Sounds like Ringo Starr. And he had taken out <laughs> some double bass parts. Dude. And uh, a, a, a rhythm on the double bass that I had specifically written for that song. Dude, Thunder Thighs will not take that well. And mm. played. And then he said something like, oh, do you even know what you played there? I'd be like, bitch, And I, I was fucking lost it because I was like, yeah, I know what I played there. I wrote it. Bitch. I wrote that drum part specifically for that song. What are you I'm talking about? about? It, bitch. Do I know what I played there? Yeah. You know, no. So from in his mind, from his world, you know, maybe he's used to playing with musicians that just play whatever the hell they they play just at the wing time. It. Yeah. They just wing it and they don't know. I said, no, I wrote that fucking part, and that caused a major rift between me and this guy. Oh. And uh, you know, but it was just, <laughs> it was just really insulting because I do I put a lot of time and effort into my drum parts and into what I'm writing. And and it and it's important to me. I'm invested in it. So, well, I remember you can't when show we up were and, and just take stuff out because you don't think it should be there. I remember when we were doing our Killjoy stuff. <laughs> my voice is going because mm. of the wine. Mm. <laughs> is, that, is that right, Froggy? <laughs> Hello, it's Froggy Jones. How are you? <laughs> anyway, so Ben was doing like 56 different takes of not one, two. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go into that? No, I'm not making fun of you, dude. I'm just saying that the way we did that, there was no producer. There was nothing. We just played it live, and it was recorded live, and that was it. That's it. And that captured us. The exactly, essence of us. but that, that was fine. That yeah. was fine. 
And you know what? I think that that's a really good representation of a musician is when it's captured live like that. Right. Like when Mark had to come in and tell me how to sing my own song. <laughs> and, I, and I think that that's a huge problem when you have a band that goes into the studio, uses all these studio tricks, mm -hmm. gets out on stage and cannot do what Duplicate, right. ended up yeah. happening in the studio. And that's a real a real bummer. But can I can I just play you guys? We were talking about music oh, no. and my maturity oh, and growth oh, as a God musician and as a music lover. And um, so this this is this is one of my <laughs> new favorite songs. No, not that one because that's a, a wealth management city gold commercial. This is a great song. I'm dancing. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is the extended version. Anyway, it's Doja Cat, Say So. And um, at the end, she says something like, I need ass and titties. And from that who, point on, but I was dude, like, who I'm, doesn't? I'm I mean. hooked on this song. But um, what I wanted to say to you, Ben, is mm -hmm. that when we were talking before, you are a true music fan. And you've raised your son to be a true music fan. And I really commend you for that. Um, you have taken your son to countless concerts. You've had those memories together that you'll always share. And you've instilled in him or, or helped to foster his love of music. And now he's running around doing podcasts and stuff and like covering bands and like being all involved in music, which is awesome. And the fact that you like... Um, taste aside, the bands, you just like a lot of different bands because you're a music fan. You're not a fan of any one certain band, but you're a fan of music and you go and you love live performance and it doesn't matter who the band is, you want to go see a live musical performance, which is amazing. I think anybody that gets up on stage, regardless of talent level or popularity, has my respect because it takes a lot to get up on yes, stage and perform. We've all done it. We've all gone through it. But I just think you're an amazing music fan. And if you were somebody, you know, like you're the person I would want to be a fan of my band or my music or whatever, because you really do appreciate music for music's sake. You know, it's, it's something that's rare because I think so many people are like, I like this genre, I like that genre. You know, and they're all just kind of pigeonholed into these different things. Music is not a formula. It's, 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 it's magic. It's a gift. And today's music is so formulaic. I mean, they actually sit down and they decide what tones resonate with people. But, dude, what, is that what, like saying there's an algorithm to doing the music? There's an algorithm to doing popular music today. Yes, there is. You know, Weezer subscribes to that. Uh, the I can't think of his name, the main guy. What's Rivers guy? Cuomo? Yes. Rivers Cuomo. Did you he see my Weezer drum cover, by the way, on YouTube? Yes. Mark Z Drums? Okay, go ahead. Please go ahead. <laughs> he believes. Wait, wait, wait. Where was so that? he'll what, write a song. Podcast? Mark Z Drums. <laughs> where can I? Wait, Mark. I'm sorry. My headphones weren't working. MarkZDrums.com. Oh, so that's where I can listen to this wonderful. Z as in zebra, MarkZDrums.com. Not Zebla, but Zebra. No, but Weezer is an amazing band. And he breaks down his songs. He says, well, you know, I can't have this verse go too long. 
the chorus has to be like this, and, and that's how he writes his songs. Right. And it's pretty amazing. And it's just like, you know, he feels that there's a specific formula that's going to make that song popular. Right. And he really believes that. Yeah. And that's his style. You know, my son said that regarding our days in Killjoy, that we were, believe it or not, in his own words, ahead of our time because people weren't ready for that. Now, yeah, people, there's so many bands out there that are like, you know, whoa, what the, what the, and it's just Wait, like, man, what? holy, oh, what, <laughs> what, 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 dude, you're fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, you know, you're right. There's so much of that now. I hear different bands doing all these different things, especially coming from the Europe. And it's just like, you know, maybe the we're Europe. a little ahead of our time, but 